This Emery board's giving me a rash. It's been a huge week in European football. One match in particular captured the imagination and ended in a 1-0 victory to Jose Mourinho's Roma, the only side ever to win the Europa Conference League. We'll talk about that, some other games, and Red Star continuing to top both tables locally on the Perth Football Podcast. And welcome, one and all, to episode 11 the first episode in a new set of 10, I guess I'll call it. I'm Sean Fry. I'm your host. Uh, I'm also joined in the studio by Tommy Dolman, the great man, Mr. Football in WA. Tommy, how are you? Good, thanks, Sean. My commiserations for the weekend. Hope you're holding up okay. Uh, what happened? You think I'm a Frankfurt fan and the Europa <laughs> Conference final really upset me? or? I think you know what we're talking about, but yeah. we'll come to that later. We will come to that later. Unfortunately, we've got a lot of European football to cover. Um, not all of it glorious for my beloved Reds. But before we get to that, oh. uh, we are joined. You just heard her uh, her groan of, I don't know whether it was disapproval at my team or just delight in my misery, but uh, we are joined by the wonderful, uh, the illustrious, uh, the woman who says I pronounce her name wonderfully, Donna Geoffrey. Thank you. What a what a little uh, wrap up there. That's great. That was the pronunciation though. On I loved it. That you was did okay. It s- okay. Even, just then was even better. Oh that really? French okay. touch when I wasn't oh. trying. Okay. And uh, there is a Camelo Jeffrey knocking around the NPL, isn't there, Tommy? We've called a couple of his games. No relation to I don't, I don't the family. Think so I hear everyone asks me a bunch of Jeffreys, and I think it's a Smith of Italy, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah. Just, but, it's just around. I mean, I should ask my husband. He might know better than me. Yeah, he probably would. He probably is the Jeffrey portion. Yeah. Of the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of the of the couple. Um, look, uh, before we dive into all the football action around Perth, uh, we've got you in here. Let's talk a little bit about um, your favourite coaches uh, that you've ever had or, or seen or been uh, witness to in your life. Okay. And I just want you to say just My one word. Who, who was your favourite? Your very, very young life. Yes. Um, Pep or Klopp? Pep. She had that ready, didn't she? <laughs> uh, Jose or Carlo? Jose. Uh, Sean or Kalichi? I'm definitely not answering that one. Okay, cool. So <laughs> for, for those of you listening, uh, Kalichi and I both taught uh, Donna's young one, Massimo, who can be a little bit of a handful, I think it's fair to say, in terms of his... Uh, if you talk about an emotional roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster I've been through this week with the last day of the Premier League and um, and the Champions League final and all of that, uh, Massimo seems to experience those on a daily basis. Yes. Um, when he used to come to Soccer Superheroes, which is where Kalich and I have coached him, um, and I guess before we move on to the serious stuff. Sterling, he's playing at Sterling, isn't yes. he? As in the under sixes. He's the under and, sixes. Yeah. yeah, and he is. Uh, he's he's. I am picturing him growing up as just a terrorising number six, running around, uh, making a nuisance and just uh, just kicking people, putting in tackles, grabbing shirts. Oh, yep. uh, so how far away do you think he is from a Sterling call-up? They're in a title challenge this year. Look, I'm sure they've got his number on file and uh, he could definitely do a bit of damage. Yeah, Fergie, he, if you're listening. Wants, yeah, but yeah. he wants to be a keeper. So he's, he? he's very adamant that he wants to be a keeper because he's he gonna have to grow. Liam, so he, <laughs> he better shoot up sometime yeah. soon. I got, I got it. I'm so sorry, Massimo. Mum's not the tallest. We're looking over at her now. Stefan, uh, dad is not the tallest. Uh, I think he's, he will be taller than me. So that's a start. Yeah. Okay. He's got <laughs> a long James way to go. Boss to be won't a girl. be happy with that. 
No, yeah, Bozzy's. I think I think he'll have a few years left before um, before Massimo's uh, taking the shirt. Um, <laughs> but anyway, look, let's let's get on the serious stuff. You are the uh, Tommy wrote this down for me, so I didn't mess it up. The director of media and operations at the uh, DT Thirty Eight Foundation, obviously in memory of uh, Dylan Tombides. Yes. Do you? Uh, I'll I'll just throw it over to you and let you tell us a little bit about what the DT Thirty Eight Foundation is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So for those that know don't know about the Dylan Tombides um, Foundation, DT Thirty Eight, it's in honour of Dylan, who was a WA footballer. Uh, who tragically lost his life to testicular cancer after being misdiagnosed. So his mum being a warrior, and that's what I call her, uh, decided to take her the matter into her own hands and start this charity to start raising awareness about Dylan and his story and what happened uh, because simply it should have never have happened and we don't want it to happen again. So in order to do that, we raise awareness. We have fantastic ambassadors on board, quite a few WA people. I mean, Sam Kerr's one of them. Um, she wears the jumper proudly. Uh, then you've got patrons like Mila Yedinak and Daniel Garb. You know, we've got them all across all codes as well. So, you know, um, what we do here in Perth, he's a Perth boy, so um, first and foremost. So we make sure that his legacy continues to live on in the football community here. And you know, we continue to do that through Football West and through Sterling and through uh, Perth Soccer Club and Wembley because that's where he played as a junior as well. So the DT38 round yes. uh, is something that happens every year? It, it does happen every year. Of that. Do you know when that is this year? Yeah, I believe it's June 18. We uh, Perth will be hosting it. It's a, a Perth home game. There was one at Sterling um, earlier, on, um, earlier on in the season, but due to COVID and all the restrictions that were in place, uh, they played out for the for the Dylan Tombides Cup, but we just didn't do anything too much around it because, well, we couldn't have anyone there really. Yeah. So between the spectators at Sterling have and Perth, there was just, it wasn't feasible to have it um, going on. But I believe it's June 18. So Luke and myself from Sterling will be on to that this week and we'll start getting the ball rolling. All right, fantastic. Well, we really appreciate you coming yes. in to talk to us. Well, we're going to no talk worries. about the DT38 uh, stuff, but we're also going to... Talk about the rest of world football, which I know you're very, very much uh, passionate about and involved in. So we're going to ask you all the questions we ask everyone that comes into the studio. Uh, first one being, who are your teams? You can start in Perth locally. You can uh, expand from there. But who okay. do who did you support, wow. Donna Giffray? Well, I guess obviously in Perth, it'd have to be Sterling, considering my husband plays there and my little man. Bandwagon, so you know, I've just got to jump fan. on that. Yeah, yeah. you know, now they're, they're in the NPL now. The I'm, I'm all yeah. about it. Um, and then obviously, uh, people that know me, I'm a huge Victory supporter, being a Melbourne girl, and you can't take really. Them I was told Perth Glory. Good by God. my sources. Oh, no, I not the Glory. Whoever told you that needs to be fired. <laughs> uh, no, look, I have. Obviously, I have a soft spot for Glory being in Perth and doing work with them, but I'm a Melbourne girl. You can't take that yeah. out of me. Good, so. good time to distance yourself from Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry. Um, wait, wait till things get back on yeah, track. Yeah, and then I'm a Man United supporter, which is in the That's hidden fact, a Juventus yep. supporter. So things, you know, things are great in my household. We don't actually support the same team ever. Um, even and that's in, great. You know, it, it's fantastic. When Victory play Glory, we actually don't talk for the day. Oh, um, okay. I see why it's <laughs> so, good for you, yeah. You know, what so. about what about now that AC Milan have won? I know Hubby oh. is a uh, diehard AC Milan fan. He probably has been in tears and oh. and it's crying into his scarf coming. and his flag and everything. Yeah, uh, It's the whole thing. You know, Italians are really dramatic yeah. as, already. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's been fantastic. I'm just glad that one of his teams have won something for him. Um, right. So know, who else is he? Is he Glory? Oh, he's, oh yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, a, I thought so. You yeah. can't take, oh, he bleeds. He thinks he's a coach. 
Yeah. After the game goes, he goes, watches it back, tries to do his tactics. I'm like, mate, calm down, though. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but let's, yeah. let's chill out. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he has been through it. Oh, he's been through it since he was about 10, I think. So, yeah, okay. you know, he still talks about the NSL days. Who's giving you the most hope for next season then, Donna? Is it Victory? Is it Juve? Or is it Man United? Which of the three are you most excited about next year? Look, I'm excited about Man United. New coach. Mm. Um, but Victory, for me, uh, I'm a diehard Victory fan. So knowing what we did this season, I highly believe that next year is going to be even better for us. So I wasn't – I was sad. I cried when we lost the semis. But, you know, I was happy – that we got there after last season. <laughs> yeah. Well, since we since we touched on Manchester United, we might as well d- just delve into that because there has been a bit of news in the last 24 hours. We're breaking news here on the Perth Football Podcast that Ralph Ranić will not yes. be staying on as a uh, consultant. Which so follow it. Stop me if I'm wrong at any point of this. But Manchester United basically, when they got rid of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they didn't have a replacement lined up. So they went to, they looked for some replacements, didn't find one. They found this guy who's not a coach, but said, hey, I'll be a coach for six months and then I'll take a consultancy job once I've learned a bit about the team and the squad and that. And then your next coach will have the benefit of my knowledge. And then he got to the end of the six months and said, that's enough. I actually don't want to do the other part of it. And what, what do you, what have you heard about that? What do you, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? Well, I just Googled it to see the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because he wants to focus on his national team role his Austria as a job. in Austria. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I've heard that, but... Is it true? I don't know. Has he left a shit show? Probably. Um, Tommy? Am I allowed to say shit? Of course. Uh, hang on. <laughs> yes, you are. We'll do that. I think it's one of those things. Uh, when the appointment was first made, when Ranyut was going to come in, and it was sort of... Uh, build that he was going to see out the season. If the results weren't going the way of Ranić, you were always going to sort of make a rod for your own back in a sense. You know, it was one of those things where it had to really go well and for the existing players and the structure that was currently in place. Now, I know they since have made some some changes. I think Ed Woodward since departed and a few other things have sort of happened re- with regards to the scouting and everything behind the scenes. Um, but when you've got players there, um, they need to see that the results are improving and that there is a structure and, and something there. And the players clearly weren't quite receiving that at the end based on the results towards the end of the season. So, look, I think it was a tricky one for Ranić. He came in, uh, he didn't probably get the results or the sort of culture shift, I suppose, which is obviously very hard to do in a six to nine month period or whatever it was that he was there for. Um, but it just didn't work. And obviously they've decided to go in a different direction. But, but then the question for me is, what is your role when you came in? Is it because yeah. it, it wasn't overseeing six months? It was, was interim. All, all I heard about Ralph Ranić was he will come in as a supervising figure and he can change the culture of a football club. And that was his task. Was it, it, it wasn't actually so much about the coaching for this six months. The whole point was that he was going to come in for the next five years and be this consultant and maybe that coaching role would give him an insight into what he needed to do. But then for him to just do the six months be a pretty... I wouldn't say an abject failure, but, you know, he finished sixth with with one of the most expensive squads in the league. Wasn't great. And then leave. It's weird, isn't it, Donna? Isn't it just there's questions that aren't really being answered. Yeah, nothing surprises me in football. Like, I wake up, I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you really want to stay on as a consultant when you're you're a manager of the, like, the the Austrian national football team? Well, not if you were the manager of the Australian national (laughs) team, of course. Austria? That's that's a Like, do you really, like, what's a consultancy role, really? Like, what, you know, what are you doing? What are you consulting on? What was the, you know, what was the outline? Um, 
I don't know. Like to me, it just sounds like a bullshit role, really. And I think, and I think the other question, which is kind of, it hasn't really been. Wait, sorry, Tommy. <laughs> and I think the other, I think the other question, which I'm not sure if it has been addressed. I'm a little bit behind, so apologies if it has. Uh, but it also comes down to Ten Hag and whether he wants to work under Ranuk's structure and his his way of doing things as well. Um, maybe didn't, maybe didn't Ten Hag about that before they. No, no, obviously not. But maybe Ten Hag's sort of come in. He's sort of seen what's happened in the previous six months and thinks, okay, I need to freshen this up completely. Um, maybe yeah. what we've sort of trying to be. Working towards in the past six months isn't sort of going to work uh, to what I want to do going forward. So, look, Ten Hag will come in. Um, he was obviously at the last game of the season. It sounds like he's hitting the ground running. He's yes. keen to get into preseason early, which if I was a Man United fan, I'd be very encouraged by that, that he's not, he's seemingly not taking any holiday and he's getting straight into the bits and bobs of it all. Sounds and just um, like Donald yeah. Trump to me, mate. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> now that I've hit you with that one, Tommy, look, you wanted to jump into the producer's hot seat. Um, I won't let you literally take my seat because I feel like sitting down for a bit, but I will put my producer's hat on there. That's me putting the hat on you. You are now the producer because you wanted to grill me about the Champions League final because you thought I wouldn't do it justice because I wouldn't want to talk about it. So uh, throwing you over to now to producer Tommy Dolman. Thank you, Sean. Um, I can see the sweat dripping profusely <laughs> off your forehead while you've just taken a seat. I'm not going to enjoy this. Um, how, just a summation of the game, first of all. Obviously, Real Madrid won the game 1-0. For, for those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, Thibaut Courtois was very much the man of the match in the game. Was it simply that, Sean? Or are there, was there any other issues that sort of stood out to you on the pitch? Uh no, I don't think there's any major issues. I think it's a, it's a massive, massive game, obviously. It's a Champions League final. Uh, to put in that performance that Liverpool put in in the Champions League final, I don't think you can ever be too upset in. I think we were dominant in parts, uh, but Real Madrid are a very good side. I think that's the, that's the thing you have to realise, no matter that they may have fallen off from their absolute, absolute peak that they were at a few years ago. They're a very good side, and if you play a very good side, even if you are the better side. A goalkeeper can uh, have a worldie and they can take their one chance and they get it. And yeah, that's what happens. So as disappointing as it is, that's, that is how I see the game itself. Broadening it out a little bit, is it a little bit concerning that in the three finals, including the FA Cup and the League Cup, and now the Champions League final, that you've not scored a goal uh, in open play? Okay. And so these are the grillings that this is what I was expecting. Um, yeah, of course it's disappointing. Disappointing not to score. Uh, disappointing... Obviously, that the one that you game you don't get the result in is the biggest one. Um, obviously, we easily would have flipped that with any of the other cups, and we'd be very, very happy right now if it's a league, if it's a Champions League FA Cup double, you're over the moon. Champions League League Cup double, you're over the moon. Obviously, if that Champions League is the one you miss out on, yeah, it's it is disappointing and it sucks. And you know, I I was uh, just to add extra flavour for to my weekend. I was on my own this weekend while the uh, the missus was away. We've got a property down in Oakford with about seven horses and uh, four dogs and no three dogs. They haven't got an extra dog. <laughs> uh, two cats, six chickens, a lot of work to be done. So I was um, doing the feeds in the morning, feeds at night, and then I thought Champions League final starts at three o'clock, three thirty-five with all the delays. But we might talk about that in a bit. Um, so I've just got up at three, ready to uh, watch the game, and then figure I'll go and feed the horses afterwards, uh, and. Yeah, I'll tell you what, going around and, and, and doing that sort of hour's worth of work. 
<laughs> on three hours sleep after your team's just lost a Champions League final is, is very depressing. I can't remember what the question was. Did you have a question? Uh, yeah, but you went off on a tangent, so I'll ask you another one. How do you grade the season now? Because a couple of weeks ago, Liverpool were having a hard week. They had the possibility of winning a quadruple. Now, uh, historically, that's very difficult to do. and Historically, it's impossible to do. Well, and it's very difficult to get yourself into a position where you've played every game possible throughout a whole season and with a chance of winning that sort of silverware. Do you feel... How how do you grade the season now retrospectively, and and how were you grading the season two weeks ago when that was all possible? How what what sort of grade are you giving that now if you're doing a book report on it? Yeah, I mean simultaneously, it's one of the greatest seasons of all time, and also one of the biggest disappointments of all time. It can, as you know, Tommy, two things uh, can be true simultaneously. Uh, that's that's where I'm at with it. I was like the, to 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 have gone like you said, to play every single game possible in a season. I don't think any team's ever done that before. So it's a record in itself. Um, but then to only win the domestic cup double, lots of teams have done that before. And it's it's not as impressive as even, you know, Manchester United fans will, will talk about their Champions League, FA Cup, or a Champions League, Premier League double uh, as being a lot bigger. And in terms of trophies, it it's definitely is. Uh, but I still think this team that we watched this year just an absolutely ruthless, relentless winning force that's, I think, lost four games all season in all competitions. And it just so happens and sucks as Liverpool fans that one of those four was the Champions League final by a goal um, to a team that, you know, if you look at the XG, we we win that. Not that that means anything in the final score and the final handing out of trophies, uh, but yeah, look, I mean, you can probably hear in my voice, I'm, I'm a bit tired, I'm a bit, <laughs> it's been a long weekend and, and, and yeah, very disappointed in having not just, I mean, the way that we lost the Premier League as well, the fact that they gave us that 20 minutes with City being 2-0 down and, you know, us level with Wolves where it really felt like that was possible and then to lose 1-0, uh, look, people that don't like Liverpool will really enjoy listening to me talking right now and being, being very, very disappointed. But I tell you what, like I said last week, I grew up watching Roy Hodgson, so I will take narrowly missing out on a quadruple any day of the week over the absolute that I used to have to watch. And last one quickly, are you worried about next season? You have such a good season this year, such disappointment at the end of it, that sort of, oh, geez, we've performed so well, we've done everything possible, we've played in every game, and we've still not cracked Manchester City. We've still... We've still done all of this and we've fallen at the final hurdle in the Champions League as well. Sadio Mane, reports of him possibly leaving as well. Is, is there a little bit of concern going into next season or is it just time to take a deep breath and, and sort of reflect on it in a month or so? Well, I think Mane's going. I think that's pretty reliably as Fabrizio has started reporting on it. So, you know, once he gets on it, it's probably locked in. He does want to go, and but one of Klopp's things that he's done with the culture he's brought into the club, people that don't want to be there, he doesn't want them there. So if Sadio Mane has given us a great service and we can get a transfer fee for him and he wants to go into a new chapter of his life, I'm sure Klopp will not be happy to see him go, uh, but he will, you know, let him go and, and achieve his dreams and, and we'll find the next Sadio Mane. We've already got Luis Diaz, who no one expected to hit the ground running as hard as he has. Um, but in answer to your question, and this is probably where we'll wrap up part one and we'll get come back to all the other uh, football around Perth. Unless Donna wants to twist the knife further. <laughs> oh, we, no, sh- look, I think, you've, I think you've done a really good job at that. I love seeing <laughs> and stuff, so it's all good. <laughs> um, so uh, 
in terms of am I worried about, was that the question? Am I concerned about next year? Just, I, just look, if there's going to be any hangover. Look, mate, if you're, if you're a Liverpool fan right now and you've been a Liverpool fan for more than 10 years, if you're worried about next year, if you're really concerned about watching uh, the team that we've got go out and play football, you've got to go and get your head checked because I have seen so, so, so far worse Liverpool teams than this step out in the first round of the year. I remember us getting getting excited to sign a washed-up Joe Cole and go into the casino being really <laughs> pumped that Joe Cole was going to turn our season around. He got a red card in the first half and the season didn't get any better from there. I've seen some rubbish Liverpool teams compared to this one. Bring back Andre Voronin. <laughs> Just do not say his name. I, I, reckon, uh, I reckon you've done a pretty good job, Sean. So, I, re- I, reckon you've, uh, I reckon you've answered the questions. So, yeah. so, in, so no, I am not worried. I'm, I'm definitely, by the time next season rolls around, I'm going to be bubbling with excitement to watch this team because they're one of the best football teams I've ever seen in my life. Season might not have been the best, but well, season might not have ended the best, but it is one of the best seasons of football I've ever watched. And I reckon we've committed enough time to Liverpool on the podcast. Oh, so I reckon that'll wrap part one and we'll be back with some MPL <laughs> and any other business shortly. Uh, good job, producer Tommy. We'll be back. Well done. And before we jump back into the action, just wanted to give a quick shout out to our lovely sponsors, especially the wonderful people here at the Hush Connective in Vic Park, 484 Albany Highway. If you want to record your own podcast, if podcasts if you've got a story to tell uh come in message robbie at uh the hush connective come and see us at uh, 484 Vic, uh, albany highway victoria park not us just go and see robbie uh and they will put you on the way to doing that uh if you're just enjoying this podcast uh, a couple of prizes we give away every week if you would like a cryotherapy treatment a little seat in the massage chairs here at mind body lounge all you need to do is share anything to do with the Perth Football Podcast. So just get on the page and share, and we will uh, put you in the running to win either a cryotherapy treatment at Mind Body Lounge or a free physio consultation down at Physio for All down in Oakford. Now, we do have a winner from last week, Kane Spaseski. I assume some uh, relation to Diane Spaseski, who came on the podcast, but Kane. If you are listening, please send us a message to the Perth Football Podcast. We'll get you a free treatment here at Mind Body Lounge. Or if you've got any aches and pains with the bones or muscles, uh, we'll get you down to Oakford uh, to Physio for All to fix those up. So get in touch with us. If you want to win uh, one of those prizes, just share any of Perth Football Podcast posts this week and you go into the running. Back with more. And we are back, part two of the Perth Football Podcast, episode number 11. It's a bit of an abbreviated podcast today because it's just Tommy Dolman again. Tommy, remind them of your sweet voice. Hello, Sean. Yeah, and uh, Donna Jaffray is still here. Donna, thank, hello, you for, hello. thank you for sticking around and not running away after one segment like, uh, like some of our guests do. None, of, none yet. We haven't scared anyone away yet, have we? Oh, um, it's early days. It's early. No, yeah, feel free. The door is there. If you're done and you want to run, that's uh, absolutely fine. But we're going to dive in quickly to the Perth football scene, what happened in the men's and women's NPL over the weekend. And then we're going to wrap up with a little bit more of a, a message from the DT38 Foundation and also a bit of a look to the Socceroos and a very, very do or die clash that they've got coming up next week, I think, was it, Tommy? What? what when is that? Tuesday at two a.m. So Monday night, two a.m. Tuesday. Night, 2 did you know, did you know that, Tommy? 
We just it, discussed it. Yeah, it was Did an educated guess. Okay. <laughs> no, it's definitely a two because four over east. So yeah. Two. Okay. So uh, look, let's let's look local before we uh, head to, to the 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 country and and how important that game is for Australia. Uh, in the Perth football scene, there was a huge round of uh, fixtures across the men's and women's game. The women started on Friday night. There were two games. Uh, Fremantle City doing what was expected of them for one uh, win over Subiaco. I think that was pretty much expected, wasn't it, Tommy, from, from what you know? Yeah, I mean, if you did thought on paper that Frio were playing Subi at home, you would have thought three points for Frio. But Subi did take the lead in that game through through Phoenix Brownlee. Really nice finish. And you sort of thought, are they going to do it? They took a 1-0 lead into the break. And then they brought on um, a young player who I've seen a few games this season called Kate Nolan, who, who came off the bench and scored a goal and assisted three. Um, oh, wow. in, in the turnaround. So she had a massive impact. I think she set up both goals for Jess D'Amago, um, who's got about half a dozen for the season now. So she's having a really good year. And, yeah, it was an important win for Frio because, um, and we'll come on to it in a second, obviously it's the top of the table clash this week between Red Star and Fremantle City at Fremantle. And you do feel that it's one of those games where Fremantle are going to have to get something out of it if if the title race is to remain alive because Red Star is still um, seven points clear as things stand. Now, Donna, you've you've never been in a podcast booth with Tommy Dolman no, before. No, no. Apparently you've been inebriated on the uh, side of a road <laughs> waiting for a taxi after awards nights with Tommy Dolman, but we won't talk too much about that. But isn't it amazing, this man, people tell us every week there's no way that he's just standing there reciting this all off the top oh, of his head. I'm this literally mind-baffled right That's now. not even – he wasn't even at that game. Well, you were at that game. No, you weren't even – he wasn't even at that game, and he's telling us about that one goal, three assists – Mate, uh, give yourself a pat on the back. I'll give you one on the other side as well, mate. I don't remember well, what That's I did <laughs> yesterday, let alone a whole picture of matches. Well, you certainly don't remember what you did last time you saw Tommy because you didn't <laughs> no. even recognise him when you came into the studio, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> Off air, cut. <laughs> I remembered, Donna. <laughs> All right, well, we should timestamp that one and make sure we get a recording of that one out Um I'm sure Stefan will appreciate it. Uh, let's get. I'm sure he's seen you far worse. Don't worry. Uh, the other game on Friday night was uh, Mum FC and Balcatta, and uh, big win for Balcatta. Is that the game you were at? It was the game it I was is. at. I knew it. it. It was an important win for Balcatta. It wasn't the best game, uh, in all fairness. Chances were very much sort of few and far between on the night. Um, a couple of big inclusions, actually, for the defending champions. Uh, Sadie Lawrence and Grace Betty came back, um, who were obviously title-winning players Huge from last names, season. Yeah. So um, they, they were, that was their first appearances of the season. And I think as the, the weeks go on, I think they're going to really improve that young side that they do have. Just that number nine that they're missing at the moment because their apro- approach play has been pretty good. Um, they actually do have a goalkeeper now as well. Um, we we had a, we had um, Sam Mathers in goal That's good earlier have, in the yeah. season when we had Luke on the podcast, the winger who was playing in goal, and she actually kept a clean sheet in round one. But um, yeah, for Balcatta though, it's just a massive win for them. It actually put them into the top four before uh, the weekend's results. And we've spoken before about their off-season recruitment and how they've got the tools to threaten some of the the top teams with some like Tana Campos, Monique Prinsloo, um, Mia Yo as well. Um, but it's just not quite come together. They'll be hoping that three points um, in a tough sort of arduous game with few and far opportunities. Uh, throughout the game, we'll, we'll give them a bit of a boost going forward. Well, what, what do you think the uh, 
the removal of Monique Diopra did to that Balcata side. She's obviously one of the friends of the, the podcast. And, and we were saying maybe the girls rallied around her. What she said was an unjust red card last week. So, <laughs> hey, maybe they've just gone, look, Monique was absolutely robbed. Mm. Let's win this one for her. What do you reckon? They they definitely performed they definitely performed for her. That's for sure. Um, Talia, uh, her sister, actually played in midfield, um, and there was a little bit of a reshuffle with uh, their usual right back, Karis Davis, playing in the left, and April Nossant coming in. So a little bit of a switch around. April um, or April? April. I think it's April, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Get it right. I, I only, only remember that because I've never never seen an April in my life. I've never met an April. I still I haven't actually met April herself. So, so is it April yeah. with an E at the end? Yeah. No, April with an E at the start. Even Oh yeah, right. Just, yeah. E P I R I L. No, I've never met one either. Yeah, there well there you go. go. Still haven't. No, we actually yeah. haven't met her, but you <laughs> yeah. know. Hey. April, there you go. Anyway, so uh, a few shout outs for that. Uh Saturday, a couple of other big games. Now we were at the Perth. NTC game that they played at uh, Athena's uh, home ground up at E&D Leaders, uh, to where NTC are playing. Are they playing all their home games there? They are this, this season. Year? Yeah, so they uh, we watched that game, and that was an absolute thriller. Uh, this week, or this uh, round, Perth won, NTC 2. So same result, NTC getting up with a, a big result there. Anything you wanted to say in particular about that game? Just just curiously, NTC have won two games this season and both of them have been against Perth, mm. which is quite a weird um, strand, I suppose. I'm not sure whether it's because a couple of the NTC girls, uh, such as Camberero, Ella Lincoln, uh, Judy Connolly, who's out at the moment, she's <laughs> they, they all played at NTC last yeah, season, so funny, maybe there's it? a bit of a familiarity. Um so yeah, it's 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 quite interesting, and obviously, I think um, I think Ben Anderson and Pete Rakic, who are the respective coaches, used to yeah. work together. Yeah, as they well. know each so, other very very well. So maybe they? there's a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, that that was actually the result that moved NTC back into the top four. Uh, Grace Johnston with a goal from about thirty to thirty five yards out, which was a really good strike. Um, go and check that one out. And a little shout-out to Grace because I've done some commentary with her on the uh, on the night series final this season in particular. So nice to see her scoring a really good yeah, goal. Yeah, she's a good kid. Good on you, Grace. And the other result, uh, and again, one that uh, will raise no eyebrows apart from maybe the magnitude of the beating was Perth Red Star 7, Curtin University 0. Uh, and that was out to a pretty big margin pretty quickly on, wasn't it? All seven goals in the first half. And Larissa Walsh with a hat trick, and she's got 12 in eight now. And that's probably all that really needs to be said about that game, I think. Yeah, we're seven points clear, and there's a top top of the table clash this week, which is. But that's it, isn't it? This this game, you don't want to say we're, what, nine rounds in and the season's over, but if Red Star go and beat Fremantle away at Fremantle, it's done, isn't it? It's going to be very hard for anybody, never say never, but it's going to be very hard for somebody to, because it's then incumbent on Red Star going on a losing run and it's well, if incumbent if on the teams below them going on an extraordinary if run. If Red Star win, it's 10 points. It's a 10-point gap with, yeah. with half the season gone and six teams that they've shown they're a lot, lot better than. So if, expecting them to lose four games to those teams and then Fremantle to win every single one is impossible. Fremantle needs something this week. And in particular for, for Perth as well, just to go back to them, they obviously lost to NTC, um, so they lost that ground as well. They've actually not played Red Star yet because their earlier game was COVID postponed was and they've got a game coming up with them this week. So I suppose if Fremantle can get something out of that game and Perth can get the three points, it might close that gap a little bit as well. But yeah, it's going to be very difficult to see anybody catching Red Star if they do get the win on the weekend. Yeah. Well, a Fremantle City win would mean it's just uh, four points, the difference, which... 
of course, with the with the teams to play, yeah, Perth, NTC can always trouble someone. You, you can expect a slip up or two. If it's ten points, I think it's done. If it's if it's going four points, then yeah, then maybe. Uh, obviously, Red Star still solid, solid favourites. Uh, which leads us on to the men's in search of that total global domination that Perth Red Star are after. Uh, their uh, tilt at the top of the table looked in a bit of jeopardy, didn't it, on the weekend with Sorrento uh, leading, I think, 2-1 for a good chunk of that game uh, up at up at the campus in Joondalup. But Perth Red Star ended up running out 4-2 winners. Yeah, uh, yeah, 2-1 down at halftime, as you say, and... Yeah, I'd like to say that this was a pretty big round of games and I was hoping that we'd learn a little bit more about where the teams sort of stand in the pecking order, but I don't think we do because uh, Sorrento have suddenly lost two games on the spin and they're out of the four. Um, we've had, I think I said this on last week's pod, I think we had four, we've had four different leaders of the MPL WA in the past four weeks. Obviously, Red Star have broken that run now. Um, and and Daryl Nickel got his obligatory goal, which means he scored in every round in the first nine rounds Absolute of the competition joke. this season. Jesus. So he's, he's he red hot this season. And uh, yeah, they've they've just got firepower. Liam Murray's a former Perth Glory under twenties player who Donna may or may not be familiar with. He's um, and Florida as well. He, Flor- I was going to say yeah, he was a, a Florida Flor- yeah. man for a while. He's um, he's come in and he's just added that little bit of a different dimension coming in off the left as well. He's um, been playing what sort of wide left of a front three. Yeah, hasn't attacking attacking midfield with a bit of a sort of license to roam and sort of drift into the channels a bit. Um, always been a good player. Always been an exciting player to watch. But yeah, it's good to see him at a at a title challenging team. Uh, We'll go on. The, the other matches in the round, I was down at Armadale, uh, Armadale-Inglewood, which was an entertaining game. Um, <laughs> I do have to make a quick mention to the Armadale Ultras, or I'll say the Old-tras, <laughs> if you see what I did there. There's a gang of Armadale fans down there that are quite, quite vocal. I made the mistake of wearing this salmon jacket down oh, there, no. Tommy. Um, so... Yeah. Oh, look, I've heard a bit of sexist uh, abuse sort of thrown from that lot, but but to hear the homophobic stuff was very, I think, a little disappointing, and I do want to make note of that, especially in a in a week where we've had uh, Jake Daniels from well, a couple of weeks ago, I think that was Jake Daniels come out from Blackpool as the first sort of high profile gay footballer after Josh Cavallo of uh, Adelaide, and it was it was just nice to see football being a bit of a a place where. People were welcome, Safe home. and yeah, and yep. and obviously the gay population has not had a home in football, uh, not a comfortable, safe home for a long time. So that was a nice step in the right direction. And to hear Jake himself say that Josh was a big part of his coming out and and a big part of him accepting who he was, I thought was fantastic. So to get um, taught because I'm wearing a salmon-coloured jacket and to be yelled at about you know whether my boyfriend likes it and things like that, I just think it's a bit shit. So, um, Armadale, if anyone down there is listening, just grow up. It's, I mean, if it's if it's funny, I'll accept it, but that shit's not funny. Tell me about the um, goal, Sean. So uh, before I do that, I will say what uh, Daniel Robinson said about my salmon oh. jacket, which who, which I quite appreciated. He said, you look like the fucking pink panther, mate. Uh, <laughs> I don't do the, do the best Geordie accent, but I, so, you know, I can, I can, I'll, I'll cop that. I'm happy to look like the Pink Panther, but um, yeah, the the rest of it. Uh, t- so the goal, we'll get onto the goal now because uh, we'll get out of the serious stuff. But this was a seriously good goal, Manasseh Abendelwa. He's already got a goal of the season contender um, earlier in the season with with his long range strike, but this one was just so it's late the second half. He, he picks up the ball. Check it out on NPL.tv. If you haven't got an account, go and sign up. Very uh, 
convenient. You can just scroll through and click the goals. Click on Manassi's goal. And it's a corner that comes over from the right, headed over, and he's almost on the touchline out near the corner flag, on the edge of the 18-yard box. And uh, what's the big number six from... Uh, Sanderson? Sanderson, Joel Sanderson. Yeah, so he's he's come over to, to pressure him. He's twice the size of Manasseh. Manasseh. I mean, I'm twice the size of Manasseh. He's a tiny dude. But obviously, he's... He's built. He's he's very strong for a small statured man. He's held off this guy twice his size. Another defender comes across and he ball rolls. I actually missed it. I was doing the commentary and I missed the little ball roll because I think I was looking down at the number to see who was coming across. Or, you know, you know, you're know, you looking at which player it is at the top of the box in case it comes to him. And then I just see, oh, Manassi's cutting in. He takes a touch. And then the defender comes out. He takes a touch across him. And then he just smashes it bottom right corner. And he picked it up near the touchline, near the corner flag on the in the edge of that eighteen yard box, and it's just one man he's gone and done it. That's, I mean, that's part of the beauty of football, isn't it? That you can have your whole team strategy. They'll <laughs> the coaches will spend weeks uh, drawing up a game plan, and this guy goes and gets it. No danger. Where you, look where he picks that ball up. There's no danger at all. And he goes and turns it into a goal. It Unbelievable. Was, it was a wonderful goal. Um, I, I know that you've you've got a little bee in your bonnet, though, as well. And there's just a little bit of a trend that's starting to come into the league, Sean. Here we go. What, was there a hint what, of a, a, a Ronaldo Oh, don't start me with the shit celebration. I didn't see it at the time. Uh, I didn't was, see it. You're, there's a, wor- a worrying trend of Ronaldo there celebrations that's happening across much. the NPL at the moment. As a, as a United fan, it's too much, right? It is too much. There was one at the Sterling Floriot game. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, and it and it got things going, and I was like, he's not gonna do it, and he did do it. We're gonna have to start naming and shaming. We'll let people off this week, but uh, we'll. uh, Well, we've already named Manasseh, but you better name the the Floriot player. Come on, who did the who did the Ronaldo? Well, it was the the Bailey Brown Montgomery. There was a hint of uh, Ronaldo in it as well. So yeah, there's there's a worrying trend of Ronaldo celebrations going on around the league. Got to get Bailey in the studio because I've I've dug I've dug him out a few few weeks in a row for his getting in like celebrating in other players' faces, which I don't like at all. But adding a Ronaldo celebration on top of that. Oh, they did well. They did well by getting into people's faces. After Bailey. It was, Bailey. Come it was on, good. mate. It was good to, to watch. Steal, to steal a line from Chris Sutton, you're better than that, mate. Bailey, you are better than that. I don't know that he is, but oh, my goodness. To top off a Ronaldo. All right, got to move on. I, that's that's going to infuriate me. Anyway. <laughs> Manasseh's did annoy. They, tell you what, it did annoy the um, all the 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 ultras as well behind me. So I'll I'll allow that one because that really wound them up seeing him do the Ronaldo. They yeah, and you watch it if you watch the video of it. You, you see him score the goal. They're like, ah, oh, he's got a goal. Then he comes home and does that celebration. All hell breaks loose. They're so mad about it. So on on that occasion, I'll say, yeah, I'll I'll allow it. But you're right that it. I do have a permanent bee in my bonnet. Bee in my bonnet. Bee in my bonnet. About the um, Sue celebration, but there you are. Uh, other results. So we'll, we'll, we probably should talk about that Sterling Floriot game since you were there. And uh, Donna, this is your sim. You've, you've seen a bit of them this year. Yeah, yeah. We've gone to we've got them back into it now that they're back in the NPL, um, which yeah, is great. Glory Hunter. See. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. Said, I'm all yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> but no, it's good. It was. Um, it's great to see you know, things going well at the club and um, especially for someone like Sterling who have such a rich history, um, it's great to see them back in the big leagues. And I, I love seeing Ian Ferguson coach um, on, you know, on the weekends. I just, I love his his demeanour um, and his cockiness about things. Um, but it was a really good game to watch. As we said, they lost 1-0, which was a big, you know, huge loss for them because they dropped points um, from, you know, they're now equal, I think, with Red Star. 
I believe. So, you know, they thought they were – they looked like the better side to me, but Florida just held them and it got pretty ruthless too, so it was good to watch. All right, tell us about this ruthlessness. What did you see there? Oh, you know, a bit of rub and, rough and tug, not rub and tug. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be good if we could edit this podcast, but uh, since I'm the only producer oh, here, this is all staying in. Tell us, tell us about the rub and tug you saw down at uh, Oh, you know, I saw Park. it all. I saw it all. Um, no, it was... <laughs> come back from this i believe in you look i believe in you you'll you'll settle down you'll tell us about what what was what Choose was your words Donna. i yeah. say that to myself the the aggressiveness that the you aggressiveness saw. What was, was great but you know what it's always fiery between these two um these two teams the fans are i think the fans elevate that fieriness um you say the old trues is the same thing at sterling mate. you got the old dogs back there just they're, <laughs> they're bloody ruthless with the, i had to cover masses ears a few times because i'm like you're 90 years old. You're going to cock it. Just like chill yeah, some out. Yeah, of, some of it's a bit much. We the, so so because we had one. We had a guy down at Armadale as well that um, I think it was. Uh, oh, sorry, I can't remember the name of the player. I'm not. I'm no Tommy Dolman. But came off in the first half with a concussion. Mm. It was quite an obvious concussion. It was one of those ones where you know he's not playing up to anyone. He's just the ball's been smacked at close range and he wasn't looking. He was sort of looking away and it hit him in the side of the head when he was relaxed and sort of. Yeah, obviously you could see, oh, geez, he might not be okay. And he got back up and kept playing and then was sort of doing that hand over the face, like, I can't see, I've got, I've got yeah. to come off. And so he's basically saying, oh, shit, I can't see, I've got to come off. And, and you're thinking like, well, this isn't good. This is off. someone with a brain injury in it. And, and all the old dudes behind is just, oh, just absolute abuse. That is just, it's just not necessary. I understand being annoyed about someone cheating or diving and getting annoyed oh. at that player, sure. Which is football. But, but, but a player... 20 minutes in, he's done nothing wrong to anyone in your team, just, just cop a ball to the side of the head and then not be able to continue because he can't see properly. I mean, just have some kind of intelligence or awareness. But anyway, yeah, yeah. No not, filter, not, no not filter. all football fans do have that filter uh, at any club. And it's, it's not no, just, no, no, it's it happens not just Armadale, it's not just Sterling. We do need to be uh, pointing out. But, but in the end, big win. Big, big yeah. win for Floria, wasn't it, Tommy? Massive win and a massive two weeks for them after they beat Sorrento 3-1 the week before at Percy Doyle and Sorrento were previously the leaders um, when they did have that win. Um, we always, I wouldn't say we write off Florian, but when they do have a little bit of a, a, a wobble, I spoke to, to Jason Saldaris for the preview during the week and, and he said he admitted that they were in a little bit of a rut, just the one win in five Jason games. Jason is wonderfully honest and he's such, uh, J- yeah. Jason's one, absolutely one of my favourite characters in PL football because he'll always have time to talk to you and he'll always, he will always be honest about it. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, he is really good and he's, he's really good to talk to and he, he admitted that there was, they were in a little bit of, uh, in a rut in his words, one win in five, but whatever's changed in the past two weeks has really worked. It was a really dogged and, and determined effort and, and as Donna alluded to, that atmosphere, it was a cracking... Oh. Cr- yeah. Um, so we talked about it last week. We talk about it every time yeah. we talk about Sterling. That, w- w- however, they've designed that grandstand there. Every every club in Perth that only gets you know when you're yep. talking about hundreds rather than thousands, any club that only gets a couple of hundred people in, design it like like 100%. Macedonia Park because that just reverberates. Mm. It echoes that when the people bang it on the signs, it's so loud. It's Fantastic! I can I tell you, it. I can tell you, there was more than a couple of a hundred oh, people 100%. as well for that for that game. Yep. Obviously, two old yep. sort of traditional rivals in in WA uh, football. Obviously, given it is sort of Macedonia versus Athena, and 
yeah, it, it really elevated the game. It certainly, it certainly sort of when I was sat there doing the, the call, it really sort of um, I could sort of feel the atmosphere and it's, it all sort of building up to a bit of a crescendo. <laughs> In all honesty, I think Sterling were probably worth a draw at least. They created more chances, that's for sure. But you have to credit Jason Saldaris and you have to credit um, Florit's defence and. Florida still managed to look like a real threat on the counter-attack. Um, we've mentioned Bailey Brown Montgomery already, but he's in a rich vein of form at the moment. Got a hat-trick last week, scored again a winning goal. So so he's stepping off, obviously, in the absence of Robert Petcob. Worst celebrations in the league, but he's up there with the, <laughs> with the best players in the league at the moment, isn't he? He's, he's having a hell of a year. He's been brilliant. And the, the way that a player that's so young... For him to lead the line as he is with a real presence, like he's got Alex Christodoulakis and Mohamed Alzadi, who are like under 20s players predominantly playing on the wing alongside him. And he's just holding the ball up. He's he's running. He's putting pressure on defenders. He's He is leading the line. The ball comes into his feet. He's able to hold it up. He's able to play the safe ball back. And he, he does all that hard work. And it's a big reason why Florida have been able to sort of maybe reshape things in the past few weeks. And the top three in the league now, all split by one point. And this season just keeps on giving, Sean. It's, it's, um, it's going to be super exciting. As disappointing as the women's league is in terms of a title race and a spectacle, the men's league has gone up a notch from from where it was last year. There's there's a few teams that you think could... It's, it, it's we tried, Yeah, we tried to pick a winner at the start of the year. I think it's harder now to pick a winner than it was at the start of the year. So I picked Floriot then and I'll stick with them. And I'll um I'll hope Robert Pekov just comes back in just the most absolute goal scoring form of his life because um, otherwise I don't think there's any catching uh, Daryl Nickel. I think producer Kalichi's pick for Golden Boot winner is uh, is on point there, but yeah, it's gr- it's great to see an open title race and it's fantastic to see your Sterling Lions up there with it. Like uh, uh, any team that comes up from a league below and then matches it and goes out and right from the start they were saying no we're just here one week we just want to win every game we can beat any team we can beat any team and they have been beating any and almost every team and they're they're right up there and as you said one point separating those top three now Floriot have played one game extra so at the moment it's advantage Red Star and Sterling who both have seven wins and uh, two losses uh, but Floriot not too far behind. They've only lost two games as well, but they've had a couple of draws as well. So they're just one point further adrift with a, with having played a game more. But I don't know. I've, I've just said it's impossible to do it. Do it. Who, who do you think is going to win the league from here? My gut instinct at the moment, and it's probably a boring pick because they're top at the moment, is Red Star because of the form that Daryl Nickel is in and because of... Um, the, the sort of pieces that they've got in terms of the structure of their team and, and, and in their midfield as well with, with the experience of sort of Tom Hoff and, and Andy Egan and Andy Higgins as well. I, I think they're probably, if, if you were putting a gun in my head, I think I'd have to say Red Star at the moment. But I'm not, mate. We don't have those in this but, country. But, they, but these things can change so quickly, Sean. <laughs> Having seen Sorenzo in Bustleson against the Glory a, a few weeks ago, um, I, I may have even said them and they've lost two on the spin so look anything can happen injuries suspensions we've we hit the halfway point of the season next week and there's a long way to go and in we've this, already talked we've, we've talked before about the teams having to play midweek games mm. but these teams aren't they're, they're all semi-pro like none of these guys are playing full-time for their for their job and but being able to stay fit enough to play two or three games in a week is okay when you're getting paid 100 grand a week but these these guys are, are not at that level there's so it's going to be very, very interesting to see how a lot of these teams stack up. We've already seen weird results when teams have to play two games in three or four days. 
but that's got to have an impact coming into the last uh, second half of the season. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how the fixtures roll out. It, it may be just, you know, you, you don't want to catch a, a tough game three days after you've already played a game. So, it's, yeah, it could be a bit of just randomness that comes into play. But uh, we'll, we'll just look at what's happened so far. We also had, did we touch on Perth 1, Bayswater City 3, the uh, Derby d'Italia? It's gone uh, Bayswater's way this time. We, we didn't. Uh, we didn't touch on that. Um, but Bayswater sort of with a important result again for them, that moved them back into the top four. Again, a, a bit of a, a sort of old school retro rivalry as well. So, um, yeah, it was a real blockbuster weekend for fixtures. Um, may, maybe a little bit of a setback for Perth who are still sort of trying to make up their, their games in hand. I don't think we quite know who the real Perth are just yet uh, we, because we, of the cancellations they they've had. They played so few games and they scored almost no goals in their first four or five games. Went out and thumped Gwell up uh, seven. Was it seven they put past Gwella? Put seven past them, yeah. Seven. And then, uh, yeah, and then they go and lose to Bayswater. So it is... Um, and I think, and I know that you were praising Manasseh's goal for Armadale, but I think Dumba's going to win the goal of the week this week. An unbelievable back heel yes, goal. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, angle. yeah. Uh, well yeah. done. I think you're right. I think you're right. That probably does just shade it. Now, look, uh, this is the kind of uh, preparation and work that I do before these things, but the the scores here that I'm looking at on my screen say Perth Glory 1, Coburn nil. Was there not, Was did, did, did Gwellup not play? Did so they ba- have their oh Balcata Guell was postponed. Yeah. Okay, yep. So Glenn Grossdate, who was That's appointed right. as Balcata's coach last week, yes. uh, he will have to wait for his first game, which is this uh, week, okay. home to Bayswater. So my, my confusion is uh, allayed there. I didn't see the postponed game up there. Uh, so Perth Glory one, Coburn City nil. Um, I, Probably not a match that's going to feature in the the title reckonings between ninth and tenth place, but uh, or actually Perth Glory are in sixth. That was Perth. I was looking at in ninth because they've only played three games less. But uh, Perth Glory still a chance to push for that top four. You reckon, Tom? They sure are. I've said it all season long. When they get those players back who have played A League minutes yep. this season, they are going to be a bit of a wild card and a bit of a, th- a threat. I think at the back end. I think they were a little bit lucky on Saturday, though. Coburn, from what I saw in MPL.TV, had the better of the chances, and they probably should have been ahead. And then Glory's goal at the very end was a shot from Joseph Hobson. He sort of broke into the area. Uh, it took a deflection off a Coburn defender, who I'm not sure who it was. And then, unfortunately for Jesse Lazaro, he was sort of running back to try and help. And then it came off him and went in the net. So it was almost a double deflection and a known goal, which decided at two minutes into second half stoppage time. So Uh, a little bit unlucky for Coburn, who can probably take some positives out of the performance. For Glory, though, an important three points for them just to sort of hang around that top four mix. Yeah, certainly if they want to be there or thereabouts, they're on 15 points now, Bayswater on 18. So they're just three adrift Mm. on the same amount of games. So they will definitely be in the running, and as you say, when those uh, A-League players can come back, that who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, speaking of levels above the NPL, I'm going to just quickly throw to you guys, really, for for a few minutes, because you guys are very excited about the game Australia uh, playing. Um, I'm not sure excitement's the word. I'm uh... nervous. Okay, well, tell, scared, tell us about worried. it, guys. Tell, tell us what, what's the game. What does it mean? When's it happening? So these are the final qualifiers for the Socceroos if they are to make the World Cup the big at the one. end of this year in Qatar. They have to play an intercontinental... Sorry, they have to play a continental... Continental. Uh, 
we can't re-record that. Uh, we have, they have to no, 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 not if you can't re-record what I said before. Yeah, We're definitely. You're not getting away. You're not getting away with your re-recording your one mistake you've made in your life, Tommy. Just carry on. They have to play a continental playoff against the UAE. Yes. Uh, which we alluded to a little bit before, which has been played early next week. And then if they get through that one-legged tie, mm-hmm. then they will play Peru in, I think, about three or four days after yeah, that. So same week. Um. I'm interested to sort of know what Donna's take is going to be on these games because we spoke about this off air and I think we're both sort of feeling the same, aren't we, about the UAE game in particular? Yeah, 100%. I think um, for me the biggest thing is the squad. And, um, I mean, they released it, I think, at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So I think they thought maybe not everyone would be on and have a look at it. Um, But my biggest thing is, number one, the goalkeeper of the year in the A-League, Mark Birigetti, doesn't doesn't even get a shoe-in to be picked. Um, I was very shocked by that, considering Redmayne has been picked and he's had a, I would think, a subpar season um, this year. But again, you've got the likes of uh, Jake Brimmer as well, who won the Johnny Warren medal. And then you've got Cummings as well. All these players that I believe should have been selected for the national squad haven't. Whether they start, whether they're benchies, whether they're squaddies, I don't know. But I'm just, I'm a bit shocked by it. I'm a little bit worried. I'm not very confident, but you've got the likes of Rojic and Moy that are back in now. Uh, Mitch Duke is doing well. I think Tags just scored again on the weekend. Um, so you've got these players that are, you know, that are coming up. McLaren, of course, um, you know, leading goal scorer won the Golden Boot for the A League. I think, you know, we've got these players, but do I think that um, do I go in confident? Hundred um, percent not, and I feel terrible <laughs> saying that because I know so many of the guys, and I feel really bad saying that. But, um, you know, we need to just have a little bit of faith, I guess. But it's going to be a huge task for us. We've got a game on Friday, a friendly. Um, Jordan. Yeah, against Jordan. So I think that will be a good test to see where they're at. I think all the boys are together now. A lot of the A-League guys have gone in um, and flown in, the ones that were playing in the uh, grand final on the weekend as well. So they don't have much prep time before next week. They've got a week maybe in them. I'd love to see what Arnie does. Um I don't have a lot of faith in him, but he is who he is and he is our national team coach for now. Um, so it'd be very interesting. And, you know, I just pray maybe they just get that one nil and uh, just park the bus. Com- I park the bus. Cummings was the surprise yeah. for me. And MPL Link, brother of Dean, who plays for Sorrento, okay. obviously. Yep. As Another well. sportsman. Yeah. Um, What's he doing playing for Australia? Well, he sh- he should be called up. Um, that's that's hundred percent. I think I think that's what a lot of people were sort of clamouring for, um, just to sort of bring a little bit of an X factor and something a little bit different. And look, Graham Arnold's decided to stick with his tried and trusted. That's something that mm. obviously it's either going to work or it's not going to work, and that will all be determined in the next week or two, I suppose. But I think I'm. I'm a bit more nervous. A lot of people are sort of saying, oh, we'll beat UAE easy and then we'll, we've got Peru and that'll be the hard game. But I'm actually a little bit more nervous about the UAE game because I worry that the UAE are going to set up a bit of a low block and they're going to just try and frustrate Australia, make it a really low scoring game, make it a real sort of dour affair. And if Australia have one of those sort of evenings, which we've seen quite often in the qualifiers where they've just not been able to sort of puncture the back of the net, then it could be... Um, one of those situations where we might not even see the Socceroos get past UAE and not even get to that Peru game. So that that game's a bit more of a concern for me. I think possibly Peru, they may come out against Australia with a little bit more intent and that le- that may leave a few more gaps for the Socceroos to exploit. But all focus has got to go on that UAE game 100%. first and we'll probably touch on that next week. Yeah, and, and look, as someone that doesn't know, as certainly doesn't know as much about the national team as you do, Tommy, uh, my main input I can give to this is I once dated a Peruvian 
Girl, so if we do get through um, the UAE, it, it just expect Peru to be very illogical and fiery. That's, uh, that's all I'll say about that. Did you hear uh, that, Arnie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, um, it's been a wonderful podcast. It's been a bit of a skeleton crew, just the three of us tonight, and everyone else is away. Kalichi's over east, and, and some of the other contributors are sick or at training. Um, but this is the real uh, A team, Tommy and I. We, you know, no matter what, Love we it. stick it out. Um, can't wait to see you. There. Can't wait to see you next week as well, Tommy. That'll be uh, great, unless you're going to really let me down. I'm in Melbourne next week. Oh, okay. Sure. So, so you're thanks, so you're the one. Me yeah. up with that though. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Well, I'll still be here. I will. I will <laughs> hold oh, the. Sure. I'll hold the fort for you. Hopefully, Kalich, you'll be back. Uh, Donna Jeffrey, I don't think will be back, but um, you are welcome back anytime. Oh, you get you. a bit of freedom from uh, from, from Stefan and Massimo. Yeah. <laughs> I call them the minions. <laughs> um, but look, uh, obviously. We, we do have you in here for, apart from your football knowledge, for a very important reason. So is there anything else that you want to say, any final messages you want? Obviously, we've got the DT38 round coming up. Yes. We've got the, we see the, the Dylan Tombidi stuff a lot in Perth football, and that's a great thing because it's for, obviously, a very good reason. Um, but what are, the, what are the main messages you want any listeners right now to take home um, from from Dylan and, uh, you know, obviously what happened with him. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing um, for us and our message that we want to put across is to check one, two, and that's our campaign. And it's, I say this and I get, I say it all the time and I get laughs and a bit of awkwardness, but it's all about, you know, uh, checking while you're down there, guys. I know your hands are down there all the time. I, I live with a man. I've seen it. Just check. If something is not right and you go to the doctor and they're like, no, nah, it's nothing, do not listen if you still feel unsure because that is what happened to Dylan. Be on your way. He was misdiagnosed and look at the outcome. Um, you know, as much and as he was how, how old was Dylan? Uh, 20. 20, yeah. He was young. He was yeah. young and he fought it like a warrior on and off the pitch. Played while getting treatment at West Ham. They thought of him that much. They retired his number. He's left a legacy that is huge and that will continue to honour, whether it's here in Perth or the UK or Australia. But my biggest message is reach out. If you don't know something, you know, everyone reaches out to me. I'll send you in the right direction to get some help. But, yeah, please just check. And your health is number one, whether it's testicular cancer or not. And, you know, that's the most important message. Yeah. And, and, and where can people go to find more information, Donna, in case they are sort of sat at home? Yep. They maybe have noticed something. They're a little bit unsure. Absolutely. But they maybe don't want to speak about it. If, if Is there anywhere that, that they can go and look to find more yeah, information? Yeah, 100%. Just hop onto our website. We've got a resources there. It's got a whole map on what to look for, what to feel for. Um, if you're unsure and you want to email us, Email us. It will come straight to me. I can direct you to a, you know, a doctor or a screening. We do free screenings every year. We had over 100 past and present players um, from the football community at the last screening just to go there. And it's non-invasive. So honestly, guys, um, it can affect, they say it affects from 15 upwards, but there was a nine-month-old that got diagnosed with testicular cancer. So it does not discriminate whether, you know, whichever cancer. So, you know, we've got heaps of information on our website, but thank you guys for giving us a platform to spread more awareness. No, absolutely. The more awareness for that sort of thing we can get, the better. And uh, as you said, I, like, I realise, guys, it is hard it is an uncomfortable about. topic and you might feel like there's something wrong with your junk and you don't want to talk to anyone about it. Uh, mate, it's better to go and talk to someone. Your doctors are anonymous. You can go and talk to them. It's better than, it's better than dying. 
honestly. 100%. It's, it's better than and, – and Dylan, obviously, his his legacy could have been a lot greater. He's a wonderful footballer and a, and a really wonderful young man I never met personally, but everyone that talks about Dylan says about just yep. what, a, what a wonderful to, – to be at that age and just have such a personality and be so warm and loving, which is what everyone says about Dylan and uh, – yeah, that that legacy that he left behind could have been carrying on today if either it wasn't the misdiagnosis or if he had have heard this message uh, yes. that we're giving out to you today. So if you're not sure, check, check, check. 100%. And uh, yeah, go and figure it out. And yeah, get on the website, DD38. Donna, thank, thank you, you so much, so much for coming in. We really, really appreciate it, especially thank with all the other uh, wasters going off over east on holidays. It's nice to have some, <laughs> um, yeah, some company. Tommy, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me once again, Sean. And uh, I've been Sean. I hope you've all enjoyed the Perth Football Podcast. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.